0: Start. be real is presented by california college of the arts mfa in writing program getting an mfa at their art school setting in san francisco means you can paint and write design and write and make a film and write you can also just write look for their faculty member leslie carroll roberts's critically acclaimed here is where i walk episodes from a life in the forest out now from university of nevada press and Adam Nemetz, we can save us all from unnamed press. For more information, power on your computer and visit cca.edu slash writing MFA.
1: We lost our faith, our dignity, about 15 pounds, and we're back From our Nick Hornby High Fidelity movie podcast to talk about the High Fidelity show here on the Playlist Podcast Network. My name is Chance Solom Pfeiffer, and I'm Noah Ballard. We normally host Be Real. This is really no different, except it's television. I think top five
0: podcast crimes committed by Chance and Noah during the coronavirus pandemic go.
1: I think we've done approximately five shows so far. That shouldn't be too hard of a list to make. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, we're thrilled to be on the Playlist Podcast Network Thanks for tuning in uh, Leave a kind rating and review wherever you get the feed And you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever Do listen to our sibling shows, Fourth Wall, Discourse, Indie Beat We're here, we recapped the first half of Devs the other week We're we're just fully in the slipstream, as you said which is a, Which is a name that I like, officially and unofficially for uh, for our TV recapping pods.
0: What did you call it now? Like, what does it say? It's like TV recap or
1: something. It says TV recap colon. Nice. <laughs> very, very to the... I don't want anybody making mistakes.
0: This is... Be Real presents TV recap colon.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> High fidelity. So... Yeah, like I said at the top, we just put out an episode for the 20th anniversary of the movie High Fidelity, came out in 2000, stars John Cusack, directed by Stephen Frears, based on a Nick Hornby book. If you fancy yourself a record store person or a fan of, I don't know, independent American film from the aughts, you know this movie probably. Um, But the Hulu show came out on Valentine's Day. Noah, you want to tell people a bit about it? About
0: Hulu, it's one of the streaming services you can subscribe to. It's one
1: of the finest streaming services ever bathed in green.
0: Yeah, it is. They're known to be green. Um, yeah, I mean, this one allegedly is an adaptation of the book, yet again, in a very 2020 key of transposing New York or transposing Chicago for New York. Uh, and having Zoe Kravitz take over for John Cusack. And this time you're dealing with maybe not what record stores were in the late 90s and early 2000s, but what record stores have become in the digital age. Mm -hmm. Because that movie was like pre-downloading anything, pre-Napster even. Totally, yeah. And like a wholly different character we're dealing with, but also a character who can hit the sort of it's almost like watching that skiing event where like the person's going down the hill and they have to like hit all those things like as they go and they can't go too far (laughs) out of a certain lane the slalom is that what that's called yeah the slalom it's kind of like the slalom of adaptations where it even with all of its modern adjustments it's still the nick hornby book and movie and tv show all in one
1: Okay, so here's how not to plan a career. One, split up with boyfriend. Two, ditch college. Three, go to work in a struggling record shop. Four, become owner of said record shop and stay there for rest of life. And five, well, there is no five. Does she seem sadder than usual or is it the sweater? Sweater? What's wrong with me? Why am I doomed to be left? Why am I doomed to be rejected? Seriously. So I'm gonna ask them. My
0: desert island all time top five most memorable heartbreaks. So
1: you're really gonna talk to all of them? Yeah. Rob. Hi Rob. Whoa. Surprise. You could be a bit obsessive. And a little too in touch with your feelings. Let's work it out! You know she told me I was obsessive and too in touch with my feelings? Those are not uh, the words I would no,
0: use. I would that
1: know. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're really not exaggerating. It's 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 very accurate. The ways that sometimes you feel like the show with its its ten half hour episodes, and you're like, oh, they're finally kind of pushing away from high fidelity, the movie, and then there will be like a literal line repetition or a visual this, cue, or they're really it's holding not on just to
0: visual it's not just visual cues. It's also like the way a character said something in the movie, like the intonation is copied. Totally. It's such a weird thing that like must only be for fans, but like, are there that many people like you and me chance who've like, or maybe just me, it's not even me. seen high fidelity 50 times and would get that, you know, in this shot for shot remake, it's a reference to a bit from the movie.
1: Things that are the same. Um, you still have like three central characters hanging out around a record store. You still have the breaking of the fourth wall. You still have the structure of counting down top five breakups, the compulsive list making. What else is the same?
0: Uh, the snobbery Yes. in dealing with who can buy records from them and who can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's sort of tangential relationship with the music industry true that's true that's a good point point. and i think this one the way that the cusack one is so like very much chicago touchstones like this one tries very hard some could argue too hard to mm-hmm. say that like this is filmed in brooklyn are you going to that show located in red hook later <laughs> shall we meet up in prospect park the big park in the center of brooklyn Stuff like that, but I think it was actually for a while. I was skeptical that it was even shot in Brooklyn, and I think maybe a couple of pickups were done in L.A. because they don't quite look like Brooklyn.
1: Okay, uh, but
0: allegedly, this the show was shot in Crown Heights and other okay. locations.
1: Do you want to start with place, or do you want to start with Rob versus Rob? What do you think? Let's start with Rob versus Rob. Do we think that Zoe Kravitz Rob, um? is as unkind or unfriendly or self-destructive as John Cusack, Rob.
0: The biggest change, I think, in the two characters is in fact established in the first 10 seconds of this show when she does not give that monologue about pop music ruining her. She just gets immediately into the breakup. So I almost think that the difference in the characters is that in the original 2000, John Cusack one, he's sort of arguing that he's just a product of his society. Like Mm. he's been told what he's supposed to feel about X, Y, and Z things. And so if he doesn't feel that way, he's sort of allowed to act outside of the bounds of whatever morality anyone would have him subscribe to. But this one, I think it's more subtle. And from the reviews that I've read, notably on Vulture, it almost seems like more of a criticism or interrogation of the way we treat mental illness. Because it almost feels like with Rob that it's her actually overcoming like some sort of psychological malady more than just like realizing men aren't supposed to act that way.
1: My desert island all-time top five most memorable heartbreaks in chronological order, are as follows. Kevin Bannister, Kat Monroe, Simon Miller, Justin Kitt... Okay,
0: that's everything,
1: I think. I mean, you don't have to go this second.
0: I do know, but um, I think it's best if I do, so...
1: Just stay for tonight. No. Okay, just stay for a drink, then.
0: I don't think a
1: drink's going to do it, Rob. How about, how about
0: two drinks? Jesus Christ, can we just make this just a little bit
1: easy, please? Oh, I'm sorry, is this inconvenient for you? Mm, interesting. Because she does, I mean, she is equally as self-destructive in her relationships.
0: She has moments of, like, absolute mania in this, where she does something for no reason other than the fact that she, like, doesn't know what else to do. And a lot of it doesn't feel terribly premeditated and that's what makes her ultimately sympathetic when you realize that like this stuff isn't on purpose but it's also I think a much darker character because of that
1: I wonder how much of that comes from the script and how much of that comes from Zoe Kravitz not playing this sort of like all-consuming persona. Like just the way that she breaks the fourth wall versus the way Cusack breaks the fourth wall is different. Like Cusack just commands the camera. He's just like staring into it, um, ordering you to sit there while he like unloads his entire brain. And Zoe Kravitz is just a lot chiller screen presence. She doesn't feel like she's imposing as much on you and is frankly just a much cooler person. So when she oh, does sure. go out of her way to be self-destructive, there is a hint for better or worse of like, where is this coming from? Cause this is not the performance I've been watching.
0: And by the same token, when she breaks the fourth wall in this version, it almost feels like she is like quote unquote, like hearing voices. Like she's doing something like you wonder, you wonder about some of the scenes where she like, Imagines what's going to happen And in the Cusack one it's played for laughs But in this one it's kind of It's almost sadder Sure Especially when they play with the dramatic irony of time When they like go back and show you The beginning of a day And how it played towards the end of the day But you've seen the end of the day first kind of thing Mm -hmm. Like especially in the birthday party episode Sort of Right That feels like the bottom
1: I will say not to, you know, just bring in a better comparison just to give the show a pummeling. In a post-flea bag world, I don't think that this use of the fourth wall feels very profound necessarily. I like your observation there, but um, it's just something about the way it's. Maybe this is more just a compliment, Phoebe Waller Bridge. The way she's able to find the camera with her eyes at a split second notice is not something that Zoe Kravitz. Well, can that's do. the
0: thing. It's like the logical you know, handing of the proverbial fourth wall breaking torch is from John Cusack in that movie and other movies where John Cusack braced the fourth wall to Phoebe Waller bridge. Sure. So it's sort of Maybe weird to, to then. Well, yeah, it's weird to then have Zoe Kravitz, like give it her best shot and like do the same intonations that this guy did 20 years earlier in this movie that the same viewers like probably don't know exists.
1: That said, this is also definitely the most I've ever liked Zoe Kravitz in anything. I think she's good. I think she's a like a good, charming sitcom lead who I mostly want to hang out with.
0: Absolutely. I just think this... But do you think it's, it's... It's funny to me that this wasn't like dumbed down and turned into the About a Boy on NBC or whatever it was of High Fidelity. And right. this one really goes for it with like cursing and drug abuse and nudity and stuff like that in a way that it's like, Oh, this could never be on network TV.
1: This could so easily be <laughs> on network TV. Can we talk supporting cast? Let's do it. My, here's my big thing. Having just watched the movie. And I think that's something that's so great about the show. We talked about how even Jaila is not that compelling of a foil for Rob in the movie, but Watching the show, I also realized that, like, that's not necessarily the actors in the movie's fault. You have such a feeling of the fact that Rob is the author of that movie, to the extent that Hornby himself loved the movie so much, because he's just like, it just felt like Cusack brought my book, like, literally to life. But part of being in that guy's perspective is minimizing the dimensions of these women because he cannot see them and part of what works so well on this show is that average to above average like potential romantic partners just get to breathe they just get to be charming and but the fact that there were you know we'll say two and a half people that i was genuinely interested and invested in rob being with in the show is just a major departure from the movie
0: yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting too. I mean, that's just sort of like, perhaps my like built in sexist coding or whatever, but to have that kind of, or even to cast somebody like, uh, Jake Lacey as like the nice guy who you're like, oh, why didn't, why didn't she call him back? Like she should treat him nicer. Kind of like, why do I feel that about him? It's something about his stupid face. Um, <laughs> But then, at the same token, I really like how this show doesn't make everybody like kind of a victim of the Rob character. And yeah, like I think with the rock star, like he he knows the score and like what this person is putting into the world and kind of doesn't have his expectations too high, which is sort of interesting. And it's also kind of funny that, like. They play with the the notion that he's so much younger than her.
1: Yes, you're talking about uh, Thomas Doherty plays this guy, Liam Shawcross, who is replacing Lisa Bonet's Marie de Salle from the movie. And we said it on the other one, but we sh- it bears repeating. Who is Lisa Bonet, Noah? It's Zoe
0: Kravitz's mother.
1: Incredible. Let's, this is a good time to, I think, talk about uh, Devine Joy Randolph, who plays Charisse and David H. Holmes, who plays Simon, who are Rob's two co-workers at Championship Final. They're, of course, um, replacing Jack Black and Todd Saliso? Is that his name? Todd Luiso? Todd Luiso, excuse me. Um, how do you think these this pair is? I think it's interesting.
0: I think what actually frustrates me about the Divine Joy Randolph performance is that it's so it's trying so hard to like hit this Jack Black note, and it's far funnier when she does her own original stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need to redo the scene of her walking in first thing and like interrupting the music they were listening to to put on her like sort of.
1: It's come on, Eileen, instead of walking on sunshine
0: but something to change the mood so abruptly. Like, right. why does that, that's a joke in the movie. Like, that's not a book joke, is it? Like, that's, that's a scene. I don't, yeah. I don't know.
1: For instance, like one of her funniest moments in the whole thing is where, uh, Mac's fiance, um, like confronts Rob, like toward the end of the show and divine joy or Sharice just kind of like gets in the way. and tells her to back off and then sort of, like, stares her down all the way backing up into the record store, which is, like, a note of pretty original persona-driven comedy um, from this Tony-nominated actress and somebody who got a lot of good buzz for being in Dole Is My Name last year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think it's interesting, too, how... Not to put too fine a point on it, but they, like, play with the... Chemistry that exists between two women of color mm-hmm. establishing their identity, like in a space like this. Yeah. And I think it is interesting that the show didn't shy away from that. And in fact, I think it heightens this idea, especially there are arguments that are really interesting in this show, like whether or not we should still, we, we should still stock and sell Michael Jackson records. Right. And well, that, way that takes these... the place
1: of the Stevie wonder. I just called to say, I love you debate is will they sell them off the wall? Not because off the wall is trite, but because it's Michael Jackson.
0: Right. It is Michael Jackson.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, but in the way that the movie did it, it was more about like, he's kind of shitty now. But in right. this one, it's like, he's like shitty, like
1: really <laughs> shitty now. I think it's one of the great updates of the whole show is to just like, okay, sure. so you, pu- you put these three people in a record store, like what do they talk about? And I think it would take you about 24 hours of being around these people in a record store to have a conversation of the kind we have on this podcast, our own imaginary record store of like, of cancel culture and can I still enjoy this? And well, they're Quincy Jones's horn lines or well, he didn't molest anyone for 20 years. Like he just ha- he just happened to go on to do it. Like the they do a great job I think of, um, of bringing that in pretty seamlessly. And less of, there's just a little less worry about authenticity which would have been the major conversation coming out of like 90s alt rock and a little bit more about social standing and propriety.
0: All right, let's talk about, if you don't mind, Chance, the central breakup that forms the narrative for this show as opposed to the movie. I guess we're just doing a compare and contrast. Sure.
1: That's fine.
0: So this one she's dating this guy named Mac who you get the sense is a little bit older. He's got sort of a a salt and pepper beard.
1: He does. Looks great.
0: It looks incredible and he's British too. It's a, it's great.
1: It's a very nice performance from Kingsley Benadire. A very very winning again very much like I for on a very simple kind of dramedy level like I just cared. I was like they talk about being on one side of the rock and is it in Central Park? Listening I think it's probably to, in Prospect
0: Park, Chance. Oh, yes. This is Brooklyn.
1: Brooklyn. Um, listen to your talking book and you're just like, yeah, these guys really had something, which again, is never a thought that you even come close to having about anyone in the movie.
0: Yeah. The John Cusack, you're one, you don't know specifically what he did, but you know that he did something and it was bad.
1: Yeah. And so, he remembers yeah, all the women as lame or bad. <laughs> Well he's
0: trying to what I love about the beginning of this one as opposed to the movie is that in the movie he's trying to make the argument that this woman meant nothing to him and there were worse break there were five worse breakups oh, at right. least that existed before her. In this one, she kind of admits from the jump that this is a bad one, thus sort of giving whatever mystery reason that ultimately broke them up uh, far more weight, I think. But charting through that, like, how do you, how does she react when, you know, the person's dating someone else? How do her friends sort of both comfort her and then kind of lose their cool with the whole thing? I think the addition of the brother character in lieu of a parent is really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's true. Definitely providing sort of a a model, if not a role model, for, like, what could be on the other side. Of these wild and depressive twenties, what do you think of Rainbow's
0: son, Franks?
1: Um, he's fine. I think that uh, he gets better in what is it, episode seven, where they he goes on like this pre-baby Bender. Um, that that
0: episode's incredible. I it think might be the big, best
1: of the series.
0: A big spoiler that maybe I can have here is that a lot of the best episodes of this show come like way, way late in the series.
1: Mm -hmm. And a lot of this,
0: like the first five episodes or so are really just like a movie about this thing. And then the, the back third of it is the, what end up being the deleted scenes from the movie because you know, you didn't have time to have fun like that. Sure. But also, I think it's going to be challenging to get people convinced to watch this, knowing that, you know, oh, you got to get through six hours of it before it really gets good.
1: Well, or you can walk in being like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that movie. Haven't ever seen it. And you might really, really enjoy this. But, yeah, there's a weird, like, it it might be bad planning to make a show that people who, the small group of people who know and love the movie are going to be like, either... I don't like that. Or it's just the same as something I like. Right. And then who else are you going to get new to come to it? I don't know. Um, But yeah, the show gets better, of course, when it can be TV. So can we talk about episode five? Is that okay? I would love that. Okay. So episode five basically comes from a deleted scene. Um, In high fidelity And I did not even know this before You told me like an hour before we started I was going to argue that by far and away This is the best episode of the show Because it feels like this very self-contained Original idea of like Oh what if this happened to these people who own the record store Is it a little lame that it's from a deleted scene Yes If it is from a deleted scene, is it really copying something that people have seen? No, not really. So I'm still going to give it some points. Um, It's it's from the book for
0: sure because they definitely shot the movie. And there's a shot in the High Fidelity movie where he gets the phone call that they both get in both mm. versions. Uh, but yeah, the movie doesn't have the what well, has to, like it, they shot a scene with Beverly D'Angelo as the Parker Posey character, um, but it's 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 a lot less morally conflicted too in the movie. This one, the conceit is that. This woman, this like rich, affluent woman is selling her rich husband's record collection for twenty dollars to get back at him because she's realized that he's cheating on her and he doesn't seem like that torn up about it. So she has to seek her vengeance. Whereas the movie, it's just like he's already run off. He said sell it for
1: however you can get. Yeah. So but this one it's really like It's a good episode of TV. It starts with them being like, well, how are you going to get to the Upper West Side? And... Divine Joy Randall, Charisse is like well what Monster do you know that lives in New York who Has a car well of course it's the Wealthy white Coloradan Who's always at the gym played by Jake Lacey Who just moved to town has a car So she calls him up so you have a nice way in there Um, It also starts with him at the store Having this debate about the top five movie Villains the difference between a villain and an antihero Clearly talking a bit about Rob herself as we come down The stretch here as Rob begins to Identify with who is clearly the villain Of this story which is this shit heel husband who's at the Carlisle with like a 20-year-old Pilates instructor while his wife, played by Parker Posey, is at home trying to sell his, you know, record collection worth thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for 20 bucks just to get back at him. It's very contained. There's a theme throughout. I think it probably still is my favorite of the whole series.
0: It's a good episode for sure. Parker Posey
1: definitely steals the show too. It's very... It's very Parker Posey. She, what does she say? I have some quotes written down, do I not? Oh, she talks about like, when I was young, I had such allergies that my mother had to vacuum the windows. But you can get over any allergy in seven years, you know? And then she's just like doing this crazy Parker Posey rhythm that you've seen her do in every like, you know, bad shit kind of indie movie that she's soared through. It's great.
0: I love that scene where Cause they're like moving out of this apartment and the movers drop one of her sculptures made out of yep. glass. And she screams like, do not feel bad about that. We all make <laughs> mistakes. Don't beat yourself up.
1: the rhythm. So, she does it over and over again. Really good. The other quote I've written down is this will be my greatest work of art to date. Like it's such a interjection. And then an ellipses. That's great. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, what do we actually? Can we spring this into a? How are our other cameos throughout this season of television? Uh, I mean, you're talking guests. about Debbie Harry. I am. We're basically playing the Bruce Springsteen, filling that slot from the movie.
0: Right. I think the heart of glass music cue is a little on the nose, but otherwise, I think it's a it's a cool thing to have in there. I really like that the shitty, uh, Laura Dern's shitty husband from Big Little Lies is uh, Parker Posey's shitty husband from this. He's really gotten typecast as like the rich guy with the man bun and like the young thing on the side.
1: And no, I would also like to clear the floor for you to talk about uh, Jonathan Antonov, if that's something you're interested in. Um, Jack Mm Antonov? Well, you know, I like to use everybody's full official name. William Zane, William Joel.
0: If you remember from our Love, Simon Netflix teen movie episode, Chance, I hate Jack Antonoff. (laughs) I think he's one of the worst things to happen to pop music. And I think this movie loses a little bit of street cred for having someone so lamestream be the fucking producer for a guy they equate to being like... uh, if Jeff Buckley met Frank Ocean or something, not which is like not a good close. reference to, especially give what I'll call Hugh Dancy doing a Backstreet Boy impression.
1: <laughs> this is a very good comparison.
0: See that is the that is the reference. Yeah, not Frank Ocean by way of Jeff Buckley, but well, you know, it, British.
1: It got me um, nicely done. It got me a little riled. Where there's like so in episode six. Rob goes into the studio with Liam And he's sort of like having trouble making this song That's not very good come alive Um, And she's just like You know like what would Prince do Try it like Prince And so of course he takes the stupidest Possible lesson The like hashtag hears Prince once And is like I'm gonna do a falsetto And it's still bad and not interesting It's still
0: bad and then, of course, like Jack Antonoff goes out and comes out with a comes back with a couple of falafels and does like a plug for the local Mamoons, which is like not an edgy falafel place in New York City, but like a well-established <laughs> institution.
1: yeah. um, i I like their taste when they're just you know, yucking it up around the record shop. but the uh, the original music in the show is it's not very good.
0: No, his cover of Boys to Men is nothing
1: like Lisa Bonet's cover of Peter fucking Frampton. I, I would agree with that. I would agree. Um. So, by the way, Questlove is the executive music supervisor on the show, right?
0: Yeah. There are I some. I think the movie, it has some good cues. Like, don't get me wrong.
1: And some deep stuff, too. Like, um, boy, do I really not care about the baby that her older brother is having but the use of ted lucas with all those sort of like barbershop sad country harmonies underneath the baby being you know presented for the first time is beautiful like that's a great literal deep cut baby where you are if i could be baby
0: where you are Absolutely. Music's very good. Yep. Um, if a little corny, if a little easy.
1: But Wait, whatever. so what do we think about this the let's talk about record stores. The the record store canon in 2020 in Brooklyn versus 2000 in Wicker Park, Chicago.
0: I mean, it still lives in a television fantasy world where it's like okay, they have busy Saturdays so they can pay $10,000 <laughs> a month for rent like okay. Um, that being said there are some the idea that it's been like open that long without being successful at all except for some weekend days is
1: crazy you go out of business in a month
0: yeah even in Crown Heights which is like no longer that obscure I would say a neighborhood in Brooklyn it's just like the one that was affordable two years ago Um, but yeah so I think like it's hard to Think about it that way, but ultimately, you know, these places do exist. A lot of them are new. A lot of them are like very small. A lot of them don't have three people working there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them at don't. At any given
1: time. For how dodgy her apartment looks, the store looks maybe too good.
0: Well, that's the thing. Her world, other than the record store, is a lot dirtier than John Cusack's world. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting to see that it is really holding on to this idea that there's some reality in the series. Um, But then I think maybe if I can turn to some critical moments, I think when the show tries to make a bigger commentary about like what Brooklyn's become in the past 10 years, like with the froze sequence, you know, and like I thought it was a particularly uh, off note to like have a, Homeless man with a sign that kind of plays into a visual gag. Yeah, that was weird. That doesn't kind of work. Um, that's like an episode three or four.
1: Yeah, uh, I think we're living in a world where we know that uh, homeless people are not set dressing.
0: And this, but this show forgets that uh, at least for for a moment. Right. There's also like moments where they like smoke a blunt. Notorious B.I.G. plays for ten seconds, and then we like go back to this very traditional sitcom premise. Right. So it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I like the... Um, I think there's a few very telling moments I wanted to unpack. So in the movie... Jack Black is on the busy Saturday, is freaking out at this guy and is just like, Stop fucking asking me about Echo and the Bunny Man if you haven't heard the Jesus and Mary chain, which is very alt rock and very white and very <laughs> distortion heavy, and is replaced in this one by, Oh, I can't believe you don't own Stop Making Sense. And David Bowie is a much Larger figure in these Like, Definitely the taste is more Cosmopolitan, more art rock More artists of color in ways that I like There's a reference where They're trying to figure out if Rob is sad And they're like, oh shit, she's been listening to Minnie Riperton, and that really feels Like a Questlove reference To me Um, I don't think anybody in the two thousand Wicker Park was being like, Oh yeah, Minnie Ripperton, your classic, uh, you know, heartbreak, downtrodden listen. So, um, some of it's very good. Some of it's a little obvious. It is all more to my taste. It is less like obscure garagey white guy shit.
0: Well that's the thing, like it's still its sensibility feels a bit white to me, if I can be so bold. I mean there are those like critical moments where they like talk about Kanye and Michael Jackson and stuff like that but it is very alt rock still like it is the inheritor of the same reference points 20 years ago that Jack Black and Todd Luisa were making. Hmm. Where I think the, I think the references for the most part are like good and funny though, where I think this TV show struggles is to like you were talking about before make its own music. Yeah. Like I think that, even if you don't appreciate the music made by the Kinky Wizards from the original movie, like you can still tell it's like raw and like weird and like kind of interesting. Yeah. Whereas like the crust punks in this one, who were like living in Bushwick somewhere and stealing records, uh, like their music. You don't think good. they're crusty enough? I don't think they're crusty enough, or like whatever enough playing around with their MacBooks enough to makes sense in the oh yeah this is like cutting edge
1: don't you need the audience to know these references but like if you were in the store in real life these are not the references they would be making
0: that's what i'm saying
1: okay great
0: i think the reference their taste is, like, snobby in a in a, a vein that does not exist outside their, their of... Their taste is a little too Hulu. Their taste is a little too Hulu. Now, can we talk about episode eight? Let's talk about episode eight. You don't want to talk about episode
1: seven? The hammer?
0: I <laughs> love the hammer.
1: <laughs> well, okay, hold on. This is an interesting... Okay, so episode seven, this guy, you know, a balding, bearded, documentarian, documentarian guy shows up to be like... Hey, Rob's there. brother.
0: What's that? They're out there, those bald, yeah. documentari- bearded documentarians.
1: Yeah, to be like, we should go get real fucked up before you have a baby. And he's like called the Hammer, and then he has like all these drinking rituals. It's like the Hammer Slammer. You have to do a shot every time the song changes on the jukebox. Or if the Hammer is present, you have to do a shot. Um he's kind of, he really stands out because he is sort of a like unexplained weirdo who is never returned to in any of the other episodes and i kind of feel like the show could have benefited from more of that just because Todd Luiso's Simon for instance is so much weirder than David H Holmes Simon and like they have this moment in the show too like late late where this guy like Lionel shows up and they're like oh not Lionel he like <laughs> talks and togs and then like he basically is just like so how are things at the store and they're like oh Lionel, oh you suck <laughs> he's not weird like i don't think there are enough like outcasts in this tv universe it's a little too hulu. So true
0: it is a little too hulu yeah no one's that weird and the todd Luiso like weird cute romance thing is replaced with like a much deeper kind of will this guy like get himself out of this cyclical, toxic relationship with this sort of uppity lawyer and approach this barista that he's been eyeing. Yeah. Which is what, episode seven?
1: Uh, eight. Where we that's episode eight. That's what you want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about because I think it is really telling about this show's priority in a way that shows like what is absolutely working about the show and then what's not. It is a great update. It is great to give the... Gay best friend side character trope His own fourth wall breaking show It's a good idea It was pitched in the room by uh, one of the people Who's the story editors And it's a very funny stand up and a great twitter follow Solomon Giorgio And then he wrote the episode Um, And I think it's well performed By David H. Holmes It's just like he goes through his top five breakups And it's kind of all the same guy Um, But it is I think Like a better idea Than it is An episode of television.
0: There's something about David H. Holmes that I like. He feels really authentic and genuine, but he also just like doesn't quite work in this series.
1: He's a little implacable, maybe. Like what is going on with him?
0: They sort of describe him as being dirty and like poorly dressed and like. But he's not really he like has a specific sort of hipster style that looks good on him. he's still like very thin uh basically good looking
1: pretty good looking guy yeah
0: so it's hard to sort of maybe like Todd Luiso is not good looking and no. so when he like hooks up with uh Sarah what's her name from roseanne uh uh-huh. that feels like I'll oh, look like the the dorks got together Right And I guess I really never saw Simon as a dork
1: Right Which again on the one hand is kind of like There's such more mutual respect and equality Between the people at the record store Because you see Todd Luiso And you see John Cusack's Rob walk in And you're like Yeah you're kind of like right to be like Oh why won't this guy go away And you don't feel that way about David H. Holmes Which is nice I like want to chill with them But then you don't I don't know the social dynamics don't cut as sharply.
0: Well, the whole Hornby thing is like this unlikely group of people gets forced to be together to be family, but they don't actually like each other. I never had the sense that any of these characters don't deep down like each other.
1: Right. Like they get into
0: friend fights or whatever, but I think what's funnier about the movies we talked about last time was the fact that everybody hates everybody else in all of these movies. Right, right and this one they're maybe grumpy one day with them but ultimately love them with all their heart.
1: I think the thing you're saying is really smart. I just think it's probably something we have to live with cuz you can't make a TV show this is a, a critical thing in the me, in the medium change. You can't make a TV show where everybody hates each other. I don't I don't think. I think you have to have some genuine kinsmanship just to get there to be a certain ease. And yes, is that ease a little bit um facile is it a little bit like the ceiling is new girl like sure but that it's if i haven't said it yet this show is extremely watchable
0: oh yeah it's very watchable i don't know i think like some of the sitcoms of like the 80s and 90s where people hated each other were a lot more entertaining than like what we have now you talking about Frasier. i'm mostly usually <laughs> talking about
1: i could ask that Fraser. question about like any comment you make it's like Either are you talking about Frazier, or wouldn't you rather be talking about Fraser?
0: The answer, the answer to both questions is uh, absolutely yes. Um, here's a key fact. Uh, Jesse Peretz, who we made fun of in the Nick Hornby pod last time uh, and directed Juliet Naked also directed the pilot to this television
1: show. It's perfectly good TV directing. Um, Jeffrey Reiner directed like five of these and he is a, uh, Little old TV vet too from Friday Night Lights And uh, Columbo And Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> Nice uh, Yeah, and there's uh, episode six is uh, Natasha Leone Which is also a pretty good episode Can I give a shout out to Jake Lacey Who whenever he appears in a show I'm like Oh yeah, this guy. He's not a good actor. And after one scene I'm like, "Oh yeah, shit, this guy's a pretty good actor."
0: Yeah, I mean he's he only plays that one role though. It's like the nice guy who fucked up or got into a fucked up situation with like the whimsical Brooklyn girl. Like it's girls he does the Fran role, sure. obvious child, he's the father role, and then this one, the same like Midwestern guy drives his Prius to Brooklyn and starts a life. Yeah, but he's so, just he's really, always that guy.
1: It's true, but he's just really good in a conflicted scene that has to be like light but interesting. Like when he shows up, I think about like Finn Whitrock, of someone who's just like there to connote like whiteness and a haircut. And Jake Lacey is very charming and he has a lot of chemistry if with his rock Whitrock
0: like is always like, you know, embezzling something. <laughs> or like, <laughs> so like Jake Lacey's nice never version. been cast as someone <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's just a nice boy. And but if you cast Jake Lacey, it's like that is the choice you have to make, right? Like you have to have the scene where you fuck him over so badly and then like plead for him to get back together, which parenthetically, spoiler alert, is what happens. Yeah. Uh or he's like the obvious choice over the weird like Adam driver type character that the girl is conflicted about
1: in the final episode though, just the way he like I mean, I kind of felt this way when we were breaking down some of the role actors in devs, it's just like just the way he listens to her and uses his face in a scene. There's a lot going on with him. So when she goes to like, finally be like, I want, I chose you. And she's like, you know, months too late he's just he like tries on these different things where he's like listening and he's nodding too much and then he kind of like tries the white guy dad voice of like i just don't think it's a good idea and then he starts to she starts to joke and he can't help but smile and then she like pins him with like the so like what percentage chance and he's just like i don't know nine (laughs) like he can't help but play her game i think he's good in this show
0: I think he is good in everything he's in. My only commentary on his career is that it's just it's all the same thing. That's That's and hard. that almost makes it, it's like a Kelly Reichardt movie. You like almost know that it's not going to go that anywhere interesting uh, with him. Cause like he's only got his what? middle of the road, nice guy thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. What about in episode seven where all of the upper body strength of the Brooklyn rock climbing gym comes out and he fucking decks that gin fizz guy for no reason. <laughs>
0: You're right. That, that was an unexpected
1: yeah. That breaks down moment of violence. Record. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's him going for the next Cronenberg movie, is punching it someone here.
1: Was a little disturbing, actually. It's just sort of just like, shake Lacey. I feel like I don't know you anymore. Is there anything else we have to talk about? What do you What do you think is the best episode of the show? I really like the uh,
0: pre birthday bender.
1: Episode seven. Uh, the,
0: episode seven. Yeah. That's where I thought, and you noted it here too. It's where the characters are allowed to like get a little bit messy, like yeah. that in Venum Veritas episode, uh, which I think is reveals some pretty interesting things and like a lot of relationships come to a head. And then like sort of the reconciling that the brother and his wife have to go through was kind of meaningful. That's the thing like I almost feel like that a lot of the supporting characters are allowed to shine in specific ways in that episode and so that made it a little bit more watchable and meaningful.
1: I think I also like that it was also an episode that like there's a lot of awkwardness going on as Clyde the Jake Lacy character is kind of invited along on this double date he doesn't know about because Mac and his fiance Lily are going to be there. But like nobody does that annoying thing where it's they're like shitty to create drama. It just kind of is uncomfortable, even though everyone's trying their best. And there's like a moment where, um, Rob and Mac like vibe A little too hard over Like a past story of him being At the New York Marathon or something like that And nothing really like bad is happening but you're Just kind of watching Clyde and Lily watch them Of like well you guys are You're gonna play a quick duet here That we're not invited to Um, There's some subtle and loose Social dynamics that I like
0: Absolutely And yeah and then just things spilling Out into the street felt Good felt funny
1: Jake Lacey punches a person in the face
0: As you mentioned He's yeah. going to be
1: in Cosmopolis 2 now As you mentioned
0: Yeah, he'll be in the, in the limousine
1: We good? What else?
0: Yeah, I mean I think this one This one was enjoyable Would you
1: recommend it to people? Definitely I think you might I honestly think you might like it more If you haven't seen the movie Or if you're not a super fan of the movie
0: But that begs the question of, like, how easy is it to get through the first, like, four or five episodes of this before it really gets into being good if you haven't seen the movie.
1: But you might just enjoy all the residual cleverness of the movie and book for the first time and never know the difference.
0: Hey, maybe it's that. Good luck to you. I think it's a really. Yeah. I mean, it's not groundbreaking, unfortunately. Um, It should break more ground. It should break more ground with the source material. And it thinks it's a lot cleverer than it is. But at the same time, like, it's a lot cleverer than a
1: lot of shit on TV right now. I wonder if... Will you buy this comparison? It's very difficult to, like, remake and update a well-known and kind of edgy property like this if you don't actually maybe have a little something against the original and so the fact that it wants to change so much but has no antagonism toward the 2000 version is kind of weird
0: absolutely i don't know i think it's it's so clearly aware of the movie it claims to only be an adaptation of the book but like it's seen the movie as many times, if not more times than I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And it like knows like the hand that it has to play and what's good about it and what's like cringy about it. Yeah. And yeah, I think it, it is very critical of the movie. Um, But like, how are you supposed to appreciate that level of critique? Like if you're not familiar with the source material, what sense does the new Testament make if you're not familiar with the old?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, Perfectly enjoyable. It's uh, really watchable. Uh, No announcements about season two. The show leaves the door open. How eager or interested would you be in a second season?
0: I mean, I think it definitely thinks there's going to be a second season because there's this whole Sharice thing that we kind of know is coming from how Jack Black went through this metamorphosis at the end of the movie that we haven't seen. So... I would think that they have at least an outline of season two in hand. But yeah, I mean, we were talking before we started recording. This it's like kind of hard to find. Like even on Hulu, like if you go to the originals, you have to like go pretty deep to find it. And then I mean maybe it was just the bad timing of the release of it, but there's not like a ton of press about it either.
1: I would be very interested to see where a season two would go because of the fact that they chewed up every inch. Of quotable runway <laughs> from the movie so bring on like a fully original thing i would watch the hell out of that
0: yeah i mean i think they have a couple threads that they could pull on but the the rob stuff is pretty done i think at least from the choices that it made at the end of this one
1: what do you when you say threads to pull on you mean like jake lacy's burgeoning kickboxing career
0: oh god i can't wait like <laughs> The love story of the barista and Simon.
1: No, this was a pleasure, man.
0: Yeah, I'll be sitting in front of my television uh, if you need me. If any of you need me, sure. Yeah. So,
1: for the safety of yourself and everyone, you will not stop <laughs> watching television.
0: I cannot. The New York State <laughs> mandated that I continue watching television. And they also um, didn't.
1: Didn't Cuomo say, uh, "Do not read. Um, do not do the dishes." He said television
0: lucy's lucy does the dishes and oh, i'm okay. certainly not going to start reading
1: <laughs> not today
0: but we would love to hear from you guys too we're on instagram at be real podcast we're on instagram we're on we're on twitter be real podcast also yeah man drop us a line tell us what you're watching tell us what series you're into we're not going to do westworld 3 come on
1: see you buddy this was fun